Let's continue our worship this morning as we go to the Lord in prayer. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that it's only by your power that we are able to stand anywhere, to even exist, knowing full well that we need you desperately. We need you every hour. And Lord, even now we are waiting for you, longing for your return. But in the meantime, Lord, we're here to worship, to sing your praise, to hear your truth. As the apostles of old, long ago, sat under the teaching of your word. Lord, may we do the same with expectant hearts this morning. Lord, as we look at our world, we recognize that there are difficulties, trials, tribulations around the world. You are well aware of, or we heard of an earthquake in Peru over seven points on the rector scale. And Lord, we pray for safety and for health for those who are in harm's way. Pray for their protection. But Lord, even around the world, there's a saber rattling in the Asian Sea with uh, Taiwan and China. We've got ongoing issues with North Korea. There's disturbances in Africa. And Lord, now a, a new variant that's out. And uh, Lord, we just ask for wisdom. And Lord, we ask that uh, you would bring this pestilence to an end that uh, you would remove it from us. At the same time, Lord, we ask for your protection and wisdom for how to deal with these things for our country, for various nations, for our communities, and here, even in our church, Lord, we ask for your protection and your guidance. Lord, even in this room, there are those who are hurting, those who are suffering this morning, wrestling with all sorts of concerns, and Lord, you know them full well. You know all of it. Those who have suffered loss. Those who are dealing with relationships that have been disrupted or are broken or hurting. Health concerns on the horizon. Financial woes. Lord, you, you know all of it. And Lord, we ask your help in all these things as we bring these issues, these concerns before your throne. We lay them at your feet. Oh God, help us to leave them there with you, to trust you with what needs to happen with them because you are our God and we have no one else to turn to but to you for help in these things. So Lord, as we gather together, may our hearts be comforted and encouraged as we spend time around your word, as we've just spent time singing your praise. Touch our hearts, we ask, through our gathering together, knowing full well that you are here in our presence and that there's no one here by accident, but by your sovereign plan, we're gathered together for your purposes. So to have your way in this service, we ask. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. Amen. Tom.
each of you, and uh, if you're a visitor with us, we'd like to get to know you better. We, we're happy to see you, and uh, if you could fill out one of the community cards in the pew rack there, uh, place it in the box as you leave today, that would be great, so we get to know you a little better. We have some special announcements and opportunities for you. This evening, at 6 o'clock, we are having a refresh prayer and praise service continuing the theme of, of Thanksgiving. So I hope that you can plan to be here and you'll be here to enjoy this special service and share uh, God's blessings in your life as well tonight. Six o'clock. We are still receiving faith promises. We had a wonderful missions conference a couple of weeks ago, two weeks in a row actually, and the faith promises have come in uh, very, very good. We have received over $25,000 in faith promises. That would be for, for a year. Um, and uh, uh, that's not quite half of our missions uh, budget. So our goal is to eventually have this all special offerings into the missions, our missions ministry here at, at Oakwood. So uh, if, you're, if you still haven't Submitted your pledge, you can still do so. There are forms out on the Connect Center table there that you can, uh, you can put in the box uh, for that. Children's Christmas Choir uh, practice has begun, and the Children's Church, uh, church Hour for our Christmas kids, uh, kids age 4 through 6th grade, are welcome to join us. And they'll be singing on December the 12th. That's a change in the date, uh, both, doing both services on that Sunday. Also, if you play a brass instrument, <clears throat> you might want to consider joining the brass ensemble. Um, <clears throat> and if you're interested in doing that, on December the 19th, before uh, both morning worship services, please fill out a community card and drop it in the offering box in the foyer or contact Pastor Brad. So there's going to be a practice today at 4 o'clock for that as well in the auditorium. The Christmas giving tree is up, and I notice there's only a few more uh, gifts that are, are needed there. So if you uh, think about that, maybe you could take one. And uh, it's for our Oakwood neighborhood and for the Angling Road Elementary School. So you can pick a gift there uh, to purchase, the tags are on the tree, and uh, purchase that and bring it, your wrapped gift um, next Sunday, December 5th. Um, if you have any questions, contact Lisa Meyer. <clears throat> Meyer, she's back there, I believe, or will be. And uh, so these are some opportunities for us, and uh, we hope that you'll avail yourself to those that, uh, that you can. In your bulletin, bulletin, there's an insert for the missions moment that we want to bring to your attention right now, and we want this as a reminder for you to be praying for our missionaries. We have two couples that we're featuring for the month of December. Uh, the first one I'll mention is Bruce and Gail Hosner, and they're right here from southern Michigan. Uh, Bloomingdale, I think, is their hometown. But anyway, they've been serving the Lord in South Carolina with JARS, J-A-A-R-S. It's, it's a support ministry for 
Wycliffe Bible Translators, a very important ministry. They help with logistics, and uh, there's all types of things that uh, they can help with in that ministry there. In fact, Lorraine goes down, had been going down there for uh, many years to help out during the wintertime. Lorraine Segoda, that is. But uh, if you look in here, you'll see a little bit more information. I'll just mention that Bruce now works as the Maritime Water Safety Coordinator. Um, <clears throat> it's a unique ministry that's, that's very much needed there. And Gail has worked in dispatching, helping put trips together and monitoring shipments and the paperwork involved, and accounting, and uh, now works as the receiving clerk. So they have some special prayer requests, as you'll see at the bottom there for continued guidance from God as to what he'd have them do in their senior years. Their support base is shrinking due to retirement, aging, and so on. So there's a real financial need that they have, and we're glad that we were able to help them with some extra support. Uh, <clears throat> and also, they recently uh, had COVID, and as far as I know, they're okay. So, <clears throat> so these are some, some requests from the, the Hosners. And then on the other side, excuse me, we have Jeff and Mary Baldwin who are serving the Lord in Greece. And many of you remember Jeff's parents. Uh, uh, Bill, Bill with his name, he's the one that founded the school there in Greece, the Greek Bible, it was Institute, now Bible College. And it's continuing under the leadership of Jeff, his son, and his wife Mary. Uh, very unique in the fact that Greece is pretty much a closed country, but God has allowed them to, to have this Bible college, and it's still ongoing, training young men and women in ministries. And uh, we, the special need right now, I would say, is for Jeff's health. Um, he has been suffering with advanced prostate cancer for a couple of years, was very sick and hospitalized just recently, had to have a major blood transfusion, and uh, so just pray for the, blessed, the best treatment for Jeff, that God will place his healing hand on him, but also let's remember to pray for the ongoing ministry there at the Greek Bible College. Pray for the students there, and, uh, and just for their encouragement, the Baldwins, as they continue serving. Let's pause for a word of prayer, shall we? Our Father, we thank you that we can bring before you these special servants, the Baldwins and the Hosners. We thank you for their faithfulness and for the many years they have given so far. We pray for your guidance as we look ahead uh, to the opportunities before them that you would uh, grant them wisdom, supply their needs, Lord, financially, physically, in every way. Uh, continue to bless and use them, we pray, and just thank you that your word is going forth in, in these places. And uh, we continue to give you praise for what you're going to do in using them and as well as in our missions uh, ministry here at, at Oakwood. And we'll give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Please take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1. You'll find that on page one of your Bible. This will be the last time that I'll be saying that. So if you, have a, if you don't have your Bible with you, grab the Bible on the rack in front of you so you can follow along. 
And we're going to read the whole creation account uh, from Genesis chapter 1 to chapter 2, verse 3. This is uh, how it would be done in the synagogue years ago. You'd hear the whole creation account. And we want to uh, focus in on the last two days of creation in particular this morning. So here we go. This is uh, Moses' word to us from God himself. Verse 1 of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas. And let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth 
and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. Throughout the creation account, we see that what God has made was good. And in verse 31, we see that God proclaims that it was very good. Quite frankly, it was perfect. It was pristine. But as we look at our world now, we're a bit confused. There's so much in our world that just isn't all that good. It doesn't seem that God ever intended that there would be murder or abortion, war, death, and that life would be so cheap, or that people would be so frustrated with their work. For many, there is no purpose or joy in their work where they're employed. Work is seen as mundane and a drudgery with little joy. Perhaps you're on the assembly line cranking out parts for something you'll never see or use. Or students come into your class, but it doesn't seem like any of them care or even want to learn, so why am I babysitting all these kids? You keep churning through the never-ending pile of paperwork on your desk as you wonder if you're really accomplishing anything of any significance, and no one seems to appreciate your tireless effort. Or just look at the government's. Governments around the world are so full of corruption and deceit. Can you really think of any completely open and honest regime ever? <laughs> Why vote? Never seems like there's ever a candidate worth voting for. And it seems that they're all a bunch of liars and crooks anyway. At the same time, everyone seems exhausted and out of gas, running from one thing to the next, one event after another. And if you have kids... You might feel like your kids are running you ragged. And then, of course, there's the problem of what's going on in marriage. Marriage is under major attack, divorce rates ever increasing, marriage being destroyed. Some just aren't even getting married at all. It's just been forsaken, in many cases even redefined. Perhaps you've wondered if you would be better off with someone else. Perhaps you've already gone through divorce. But it just doesn't seem that this is what God intended for us at all. Everything just seems to be going the wrong way against God's purposes and intention. 
But as we'll see today, God had a fantastic plan for us from the very beginning with all that he had made. And so we ask, so what was God's purpose for us in, in making this incredible world for us to live in? How was God intending to bless us from the very beginning? What was God thinking when he made everything? What was he intending for us to do in his very, very good creation? Well, today's message will answer these questions as we go back to the beginning in Genesis this morning. We will conclude the sixth and seventh day of creation, and God completed what he had prepared and finished from days one through three. God filled the land and vegetation with land with land and animals and man, and then he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over every living thing. Did you hear that? He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over every living thing. Then in chapter two, he rested. And then at the end of chapter two, he established marriage. What we're looking at today in verse 28 of Genesis 1 and the beginnings of chapter 2 and the end of chapter 2 is what's known as the creation ordinances. And you ask, well, what's a creation ordinance? An ordinance is a governing intent or principle that God established for us from the very beginning. What is it that God intended for us from the beginning? Well, this morning, we're going to see five of these ordinances that we want to tear apart and make sure we understand and have a handle on. But before we study, let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we see that we're in a broken world, but that's not what you designed. That's not what you wanted for us. Lord, help us to see what you intended this morning through your word. As we pour over your truth, consider what you said. And Lord, we ask that you would change our hearts about how we'd see things, that we might see things the way you see things, oh God. Lord, we need your help to do that. So, Lord, bless us as we study. We ask this in your son's wonderful and awesome name this morning. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined, here's the first, first ordinance for you. From the very beginning, God ordained that we would be fruitful and multiply. That's what he said in verse 28. And God blessed them. This is incredible. After he makes Adam and Eve, the first thing he says, I want to bless you. I want to freak you out with how awesome it is. Let me just bless your socks off. And the first way I can bless your socks off is this way. How? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I want you to have a bunch of kids. Fill up the place, would you? Be fruitful and multiply. Here from the very beginning, we see that God ordains the sanctity of life. We might ask, well, why would he want to do this? Why? What's the purpose of God wanting us to have more people around? What was God's purpose and there being more people on this planet. Well, it's very simple. More people, more glory. The more people there are that praise him, the more glory God receives. All God has ever wanted from the very beginning is that we would be his people and that he would be our God and he'd get all the glory in that. This is from the very beginning. And by the way, it's throughout the scripture. Look at these themes, this one theme, this one idea that shows up all over the place in scripture. Exodus 6, 7, Moses writes with what God says, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. <laughs> That's what God says. I will take you to be my people and I'll be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Jeremiah, the great prophet in 31, 33, what does he say? 
For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, God says. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. It's not complicated. This is all he's ever wanted. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6.16, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is all he's ever wanted. All the way to the end, Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Any questions? Is this too complicated? This is all he's ever wanted. I just want more of you. To enjoy me as God, God says. And you get to be my people. I just want to bless you with that. But not only that, not only did God ordain that we would be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth for his glory. Secondly, this morning, God ordained that we would subdue the earth. Verse 28 again, it says, And God blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. The Hebrew word's kind of fun here. The word... In Hebrew for subdue is kibosh. That is, God wanted us to put a kibosh on the planet. He wanted us to subdue it. God ordained that we would subdue, cultivate, work the earth. And it was good. From the beginning, work was designed to be good. Now, with how work is now, we can hardly imagine this. We were designed to work, Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. That's why we're here. We're here to cultivate the planet. Now, I'd like to remind you, everything in this room has been cultivated out of the earth, right? From the tapestries to the brick to the wood for the pews, uh, the metal, you know, comes right out of the ground. We're to cultivate. We can't stop cultivating. We're super good at cultivating stuff. That's what we do. We're designed to work. And by the way, before the fall in chapter 3, don't worry, we'll get there eventually, it was all good. This was prior to the fall. Our bodies are designed to move, to go places to do things. Remember when the pandemic hit? Do you remember that there was a pandemic? Remember that, the pandemic? Yeah, not too long ago. We're still in it. But remember initially we had a couple months off and like, you couldn't go to work, you, couldn't, you just had to stay home? Uh, how, how many, did they even go a little stir crazy? Like, there's nothing to do. Why? Because we're designed to do stuff. And over the years I found people who will work at doing all kinds of interesting weird things to just keep themselves busy because it's how God made them. So people collect all kinds of crazy things on the planet. As a former insurance guy back in the day, you know, 20 years ago, I go to people's houses, and as I'm going over their insurance, they go, oh, uh, would you like, like to see my stamp collection? Oh, well, okay. So now I'm looking at their stamps. Would you like to see my bottle caps? I, I collect bottle caps. My matchbooks or my beer cans, what, you know, whatever. But did I tell you about the guy who collected Smurfs? Did I tell you about that guy? I'm at this guy's house, and I'm uh, going over his insurance, now, mind you, it's just he and his wife, brand new house. By the way, it was really kind of odd. And I, you know, if you live this way, I'm not trying to pick on you, but it was a pristine house. They had like white shag carpet everywhere. And like in their kitchen, there's nothing sitting out, not even a toaster. I mean, it was like everything was put away. It was all perfect. It was really weird. 
I don't know. That's not my house. <laughs> it's not like that. We have stuff in our house, okay? We have a toaster. So, so anyway, we're, I'm there. I'm visiting him, and I'm, we're talking, going over his insurance, and uh, I, I'm looking for special collections to make sure they're insured properly. And he goes, well, I told you about my Smurfs, didn't I? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not, I don't know about this. And he goes, uh, well, would you like to see him? Well, sure. I'd love to see your Smurfs. Now, mind you, this is a one-story house that opened up on a river on the backside, lower basement level. But there's a two-car garage out front. It's like two-and-a-half-car garage. And over this two-and-a-half-car garage was a bonus room, right? And so this is a big room. He's taking me upstairs now to this room over the garage that's about the size of a two-and-a-half-car garage. It's like 25 by 25. I mean, it's a big room. And we walk in there, and... Smurfs everywhere. This guy's been working at collecting Smurfs like crazy. Now, you know what's maybe you're not sure, the Smurf little blue cartoon character, you know, you know what I'm talking about? The Smurf, you know, Papa Smurf and all that. I still want to know what color does a Smurf turn when you choke him? He's already blue. All right, that's another joke. So, so this guy's collecting Smurfs. Now, in the middle, in the middle of this room, there's nothing in this room but Smurfs that he's collected by big ones, little ones. You know, he's got a Smurf drum set, Smurf lunchbox, everything you can imagine Smurf. But the only other piece of furniture in this whole room was a treadmill. So he'd go for a walk among his Smurfs. We'll work at all kinds of stuff. Why? Because God designed us to work at things. And it's good for us to work at things, Right? There's great benefit in work, Scripture says, Proverbs 14, 23. In all toil, there's profit. Even Smurf collecting? I guess. By the way, I imagine they're worth a lot more now than they were 20 years ago, right? But mere talk tends only to poverty, Scripture says. Three things here. Through our work, we can take care of the needs of ourselves and our family. That's what Scripture says. Acts 20, 34 Paul says, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. Yeah, this is what our work should do. We should be working in such a way, Paul here with his tent ministry, the Apostle Paul, made sure he was taking care of himself as he lived his life so that he could take care of himself and those who were with him. Second Thessalonians, Paul goes on to say, for we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies, oh, we know who they are, don't we? Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Keep doing good, keep at work. So through our work, we can take care of the needs of ourselves and our family. Secondly, through our work, we can take care of the needs of others around us. Paul goes on to say in Acts 20, 35, in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. We need to work in such a way that we're helping others that we know around us. Ephesians 4, 28, let the thief no longer steal, Paul says, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Man, what a blessing it is. You know, it's blessed that we receive, but man, what a blessing it is out of our resources to be able to give to someone else who's in need. But not only that, through our work, we can further God's work. 
as we saw today with the missionaries that we're supporting from this place. You understand how important JARS is? Again, JARS is basically the, the logistics arm of Wycliffe. What's Wycliffe? Wycliffe, that's a translation group. They translate the Bible for people groups who've never had the Bible in their own language. JARS that takes care of all the logistics to make sure all the missionaries who are translating God's word have the tools, resources, administrative, everything, so they can go out there and translate God's word. This is an important ministry that we're supporting through God's resources and how we've been ordained and designed to work. Or a Greek Bible college. Do you realize if you went out on the street in Greece and started to preach the gospel, you'd be arrested and put in prison? And there's a Bible college that we support there. That's crazy, and that's awesome. We need to support those ministries and pray for them. God ordained that we should subdue the earth, put a kibosh on it. Thirdly, God ordained that we would rule over the earth. In verse 28, it goes on to say, not only subdue it, but have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God calls us to have dominion. Other translations would say rule. God ordained that we would rule over the earth. God, from the very beginning, watch this, ordained government and authority. Now, <laughs> we kind of go, really? Why? Why did he do that? I mean, look at it. Have you, seen, have you noticed how bad the governments are right now? Governments are horrible. God ordained that? Yeah, understand this is prior to the fall where his authority was the ultimate authority, and he now gave authority to Adam and Eve to rule over the planet. Adam and Eve were the first king and queen of all creation. They were to co-reign together as husband and wife, and they were to do so with right authority and government, that which was right, good, just, and awesome. We can hardly imagine it. From the very beginning, government was designed to be good. Authority and government was to be exercised righteously and justly. And by the way, how does God ultimately see the governments of the world? For you to see this, take your Bible and go to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40. It won't be on the screen, but I want to share this little brief excerpt out of the middle of Isaiah. Notice what God says about governments. He says, behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. Okay, you got that? Okay, drop in a, okay, so here's my drop. Bloop, that's the nation. It's a whole deal. Bloop, that's it. Little drop. That's how God sees it. The nations are like the drop from a bucket and are counted as the dust on the scales. Right? Dust on the scales. That's all the nations. Behold, he takes up the coastlines like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. In other words, Lebanon as a country, you could not even use that as a burnt offering for God. It's not big enough or significant enough. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. 
He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? That's what we're talking about, from the beginning, from the foundation of the earth. It is he, that is God, who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like what? Grasshoppers. Oh, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them, right? And they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Okay, okay, Vladimir Putin, right? Okay, President Biden, just blow you guys away. You guys don't count, you don't matter. I'm God, God says. You go, whoa. God ordained that we would rule over the earth. God ordained that we would rule, that we'd subdue, and that we'd be fruitful, multiply. But fourthly, don't miss this, God ordained that we would rest. Chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 1. God says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. That is, he set it apart unto holiness for us, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Here we see that God ordains Shabbat, that is Sabbath, the seventh day of the week. By the way, the seventh day of the week has always, 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 always been Saturday. The first day of the week has always, always been Sunday. Don't make that mistake. And we go, well, then what's happened? Well, our culture, our society has completely messed this up. (laughs) Pretty good for us. The church hasn't really helped. I'd like to remind you, the early church, they were all what? Jews. So what do you think they did on Sabbath? Rested. And then on the first day of the week, they gathered together and worshiped. I hate to break it to you. A lot of people, well, today's Sabbath. I'm going to go and have a nap at church. Well, no, this is not nap time. No, you should have rested yesterday. You should have had your Sabbath yesterday where you took a break from your labors so that on the first day you could come here and you could now work at worship. Wouldn't that be awesome if we saw Sunday that way? Acts 2.1 says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And you go, okay, what day would that have been? That would have been on Sunday. They would have gathered together on Sunday. That was Pentecost. How do we know that Pentecost is on a Sunday? Well, from Leviticus 23, verse 15 to 16, the Feast of Weeks known as Pentecost. How many weeks is it? Seven weeks and seven days. Seven times seven is what? 49. Do you do the math? You guys are good. You shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath. From the day that you brought the sheep of the wave offering, you shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering for a new grain to the Lord. So they're all gathered on Pentecost, which would have been 50 days later from the previous Sabbath. 
right? Which brings it to the first day of the week, Sunday. Acts 20, verse 7, more evidence. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, they're having, having communion to get together. Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. By the way, I could keep going till midnight if you'd like. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. You know, years ago, Kathy and I, we were serving over in, in Budapest, Hungary, and uh, I've got three daughters, and uh, uh, we kind of like that movie, Fiddler on the Roof. Anybody seen the Fiddler on the Roof? Great movie. At the beginning of the movie, there's a, a discussion about uh, that Sabbath is taking place. In other words, it's a Friday, it's a day of preparation, and the whole family's getting ready to celebrate Sabbath. And of course, Sabbath starts sundown Friday. So all day they're screwing around, cleaning up. He's, get, he's delivering his last bit of milk and cheese in the, in the village, and, and she's getting the house clean, getting dinner ready. And you know they're just moving it so that because when the sun goes down, it's time that Sabbath starts, no more work. And so we're watching that kind of, you know, marveling at that a little bit as a family, and we're like, hey, you know, Let's try it. <laughs> Let's try having a Sabbath. So I grabbed my Google, you know, what time is the sun going to set? Okay, this Friday, he's going to set at such and such a time. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get the house all clean and tidy so we don't have to mess with anything on Saturday. And uh, Kathy, you'll put a dinner together. And, and exactly at sunset, we'll gather on the table, we'll light candles, and we'll have a great meal together. And then we're going to do nothing for a whole 24 hours. And you know what? We did it, and it was awesome. And then, and then we stopped, and I don't know why we stopped. We just should have kept doing it from then on. We need rest. God ordained one day a week, set it apart for me, that you can join me in his beautiful, awesome creation. This is what he had ordained for us. This one day a week, spend time with me in my creation. What a beautiful thought. Now, some of you might say, well, boy, I work on Saturday, so I couldn't do that. Well, then pick a day. One day a week. Make that Friday. Make it Monday. Whatever day you can, whatever your day off is, make it a day off. Enjoy God in the garden. Lastly, God ordained that we would be intimately committed to each other through the marriage of one man to one woman. Now we move to chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. It's the longest point ever, isn't it? God ordained that we would be intimately committed to each other through the marriage of one man to one woman. It's so important. I want to make sure the point was very, very clear and not reinterpreted somehow. Notice what 24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. We talked about this a little bit last week. We'll be talking more about this this coming week. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Here we see in this moment God ordains marriage as one of his creation ordinances. In Hebrews 13:4, we are told, let marriage be held in honor among all. All of us should be living our lives in such a way that we are honoring the establishment and ordainment of marriage. To such extent 
as the writer of Hebrews continues, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. We should hold marriage in high esteem to such a degree that we are determined to protect it at all costs, that our marriage bed would not be defiled somehow, some way. And you go, well, I'm not sure what you mean by that. How do we keep the marriage bed undefiled? Well, let me tell you this. You can't keep your marriage bed undefiled if you are bringing images of other people into it or if you're committing adultery outright already. You're defiling it. If you're looking at pornography, you are defiling your marriage bed. If you're a single person and you're looking at pornography or sleeping around, you're defiling your marriage bed for what God has for you in the future. I I encourage you, run away from that. Run towards righteousness. Run towards the gospel. Run towards forgiveness and grace. Run towards Christ. Get this right. Protect your marriage at all costs. Now notice the complete reception that Adam and Eve have here in verse 25. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. We're going to get into that more later in our discussion as we move towards the fall. But understand that Adam and Eve, even with all their differences, are able to receive each other with no shame. Full acceptance. Full reception. And this is why we see in terms of God's creation here, everything was not just good, it was very, very good. 1 Timothy 4, 4, 5 says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Ah, thanksgiving, that's what we just celebrated. We should be praising God for how awesome his world is, for what he made for us. For it is made holy by the word of God in prayer, he says. Beloved, God ordained the sanctity of life. God ordained work. God ordained government and authority. God ordained rest, that is Shabbat, Sabbath. God ordained marriage. And I don't know about you, but you hear these things. I'm like, where do I sign up for this? This is awesome. So what went wrong? In Genesis 3, the fall took place where man rebelled against God and his awesome intention for all creation was flat out destroyed. The fall has destroyed all of this. We murder people in our hearts. We abort children in the womb. Work is a drudgery. Our governments are full of corruption and everyone is absolutely exhausted and our marriages and families are crumbling. But now in Christ, all of this corruption can be overturned. You mean I can choose to love people instead of hate them? Yes. I can choose to find purpose in my work? Yes. I can choose to accept the authority that God has placed in my life? Yes. I can take one day a week and set aside to spend time with God and his awesome creation? Yes. I can find unity and oneness with the person that God has set aside for me in marriage? Yes. All this and more is yours through putting your faith and trust in Christ. Jesus talks not only about eternal life with him through faith in him, but he talks about an abundant life right here, right now. Where do I sign up for this? Through redemption, all of what God intended can be found. 
you know, I look at my life. And remember what it started with, and he blessed them. I have been so ridiculously blessed. I even said this on Thanksgiving Day. You'd go around the table and share, you know, what are you thankful for? I'm just, I just said, I'm a very, very ridiculously blessed man. Be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> you know, I have these daughters, and they come and squeeze my neck and call me dad. I don't deserve that. And now we've got these itty-bitty people who are showing up. And they call me Papa. I'm, I'm not a Papa for anything but to them I am. And I don't deserve that. We're called to subdue. I love what I do in my work. I love preaching and teaching God's word. I can't find enough ways to do it. I'm trying to invent more ways to preach and teach God's word. I can't get enough. And authority. Uh, it's good for me to be under the authorities of the elders of this church. This isn't my church. This isn't Brad's church. No, this is your church. I just happen to be the pastor right now. By the way, I hate to break it to you, but every pastor is an interim pastor. Pastor Steve was here for a long time, but he was still interim. Someone was before him. Someone came after him. Years from now, something will happen to me and you'll have somebody else just passing through. But I love what I do. And it's good that I'm under the authority of the elders at the same time as a pastor. I exercise authority in how I lead the congregation, how I lead my family. And I need to do that rightly, justly, fairly, right? To live in such a way as an elder to be above reproach in that process. Marriage, oh my goodness, I'm married to the most awesome person on the whole planet. There she is right there, Kathy. And I can't get enough of you. I love being with you people this morning, but I'd rather be with her. I'm just telling you. Right? So the only one I'm really wrestling with right now is that rest part. <laughs> the rest, yeah. That's the one that keeps getting me. How are you doing? What creation ordinance do you need help with this morning? As you look at these things, what are you wrestling with? I want to encourage you to go on record with God right now and ask him for the help that you need in making things right with whatever it is that you need to deal with. Maybe it's your work situation. Maybe you know you're not living under authority. Maybe you're kind of bucking the system. Through Christ, the wonder and beauty of God's good creation can be ours, even right here, right now. But by the way, there's coming a day, there's a there and then coming where it'll be even all this that we talked about and more with him forever, which is great. We all desperately need the restorative redemption of Christ to have access to these things, to be, able, to be able to fully enjoy God's good creation with all that he intended for us from the very beginning. We all desperately need Jesus. We all do. I need Jesus. Do you have Jesus? Then you can have access to all the blessings that he has for you that we talked about here today. Would you please stand as we close our service? Our gracious Heavenly Father, what an incredible encouragement 
And Lord, as we reflect on how awesome you made things, it was so good. It was very good. How you ordained all things, and you ordained that we'd be fruitful and multiply, that we would be your people and you would be our God. That we would subdue this earth, that we cultivate it and work with our hands so we could take care of ourselves and each other and reach the world with the gospel. Lord, that we exercise authority with great justice and righteousness, reflecting who you are and your sovereignty. That we'd rest once a week, that we'd take a day and just enjoy you in the garden. And Lord, that we'd enjoy our marriages for those who long to be married, those who are. Lord, we ask that you would watch over us and guide us in how we care for our spouse, that we might bring unity and oneness in such a way that we'd reflect who you are. So Lord, thank you for your outrageous goodness, your outrageous blessing. We're not worthy of any of these things. And uh, even though we're in a broken world, Lord, you are still our God and we are still your people. Help us to walk accordingly, trusting you with all things. Lord, for those who are wrestling with something this morning, I just pray that you would grant them help, whether it's work or rest or authority issues or issues with their kids or grandkids or the marriage. Oh, God, help them to take steps today to work things out to find peace that only comes from you as we trust you with our very lives. So Lord, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for being our teacher today as we've looked to what you've intended from the very beginning. Thank you, Lord. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Hopefully we'll see you back tonight for our refresh service.